Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello and welcome back to Live On Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live On Purpose Radio. Joining me today is Lark Dean Galley. I like to say your whole name, Lark, because it just sounds so elegant. Thank you. <laughs> Lark is a speaker. She is an author. You didn't plan to be an author. I did not. I especially did not plan to write this book. Right. And the book that I'm referring to is called Learning to Breathe Again. Here's the subtitle, folks. Choosing to Heal After Losing a Loved One to Suicide. Okay, now if you want to tune out right now, we understand. Some people don't want to talk about this. Lark, I was, I was sharing with you beforehand that one of my friends who preceded you on this podcast several years ago uh, is an undertaker. Now, undertaker sounds like an old term, you know, from the Wild West, but he likes the term because it, it denotes the level of commitment and involvement that is required, the undertaking that it is. And while I was interviewing, Sean Warensky is his name, of Warensky Funeral Homes. He said to me, Dr. Paul, talking about death won't kill you. But you know what, Lark? I have found that talking about suicide sometimes can prevent tragedies. And not always, we're going to lose some people to suicide. I, I think that's part of our, our deal here. But I think there are far many who, if we could open up the conversation about it, if we could have very honest, open communication about it, there may be lives that could be saved and that's why I appreciate so much your willingness to come here today and share some of your story with us. Lark, welcome to Live on Purpose Radio. Thank you. I appreciate this opportunity. Like I said, I never thought I would write this book, but it has become my life's mission. And it's all I want to do is share this message. And I can appreciate those people that don't want to talk about suicide because 19 months ago, if you had said, oh, Lark, you're going to be on a soapbox and you're going to be talking about suicide prevention and you're going to be sharing all your most personal, deep experiences, I would have said, Dr. Paul, you've got the wrong girl. You know, we, we kind of look at March 2020 as the time that our world turned upside down, right? But it was a year earlier. You beat us to the punch, Lark. It was in March of 2019 that your story unfolded. There's parts of it, obviously, that happened before that, many parts that have happened after. Can you share with our audience the brief version of what that story is and why we're having this conversation today? Sure. Back in March of 2019, my 19-year-old son ended his life. Mm. And he was not one of these suicidal candidates that you look at and you type and say, oh yeah, that kid has a problem. 
he was a freshman at the University of Utah in the engineering department, something he had wanted to do his entire life. He had friends, he had hobbies, he was going on a hunting trip with his father the next week. He had things to look forward to. And uh, several incidences happened all at once. And as a 19-year-old, he couldn't see past the very short-sightedness of, yeah. of his immediate problems. As an adult, most often we can cope with these things and we say, well, it's not the end of the world. We'll get through it day at a time. But sometimes um, kids are growing up in a different world right now and they're under a lot of pressures. And because of the things that my family has gone through, I have learned that we cannot parent like our parents parented us. And we definitely need to take a look at suicide because of the numbers, both in the state of Utah and nationwide, at the rate that this pandemic is growing, or that I call it an epidemic of suicide, that it's going to affect every one of us in a very personal way. And if there is something that we can do to mitigate that and to allow us to help someone, I can't stress the importance of learning how to do this and being willing to do it. You didn't sign up for this. I've, I've found more often than not, Lark, our calling finds us rather than the other way around. And so now that you've published this book, uh, you've been asked to speak on this topic, you've become an activist, uh, someone who's raising awareness and saving lives as a result. This kind of found you. And as I was reading your book, Lark, I, it's not an easy read, okay? Can I just, I mean, it's well written, but it's not an easy read because of the topic. I think we all want to believe that we live in this world where this is not part of my deal. This is not going to affect my life. It's sad that it happens to other people, but it's not here, thankfully, in my home or my life. That may have been what you thought. That's exactly what I thought. You know, um, back in March of 2019, that's exactly what I thought. I didn't feel like I really had to deal with it with my children. I thought they all seem healthy and normal. They didn't exhibit any signs of trauma in any way. And so even though the high school, two cities over, had um, they just went, I think they went through 17 suicides within a very short time. Yeah. My thoughts when that happened the year or two prior to my son's death was, oh, no, that's in that city. That's not in my city. That's not in my home. And uh, after my son passed away by suicide, I, I just took it on uh, because I realized that there were other parents like me who didn't have a clue how prevalent it was. And just to back up and give some history to that, prior to my son's suicide, my father died by suicide five years before my son. And during that time, I went into five months of dark depression. I don't remember things that happened during those five months. And I could not talk about it. I have great close friends that did not know how my father actually died. And 
I just physically could not talk about it. And when my son died, those first few days, that's where I went. I started to go into the black hole. I didn't want to leave my home. I didn't want to talk about it. There were, I didn't even want anybody to, to talk to me about it. Right. I wanted to disappear. It's convenient sometimes to, to shrink into that place of denial or uh, avoidance of the topic. But as you pointed out, Lark, it's real. It touches probably all of us, at least at some level, in some connection. And some of us are dealing with this firsthand, like you and your family. Um, without getting into the whole story, because you've shared that in your book, and you were very authentic and very real, uh, not withholding anything, I don't think. I think I was pretty open. I, I especially wanted parents who are struggling in their relationships with their children to know, and, and this is a, this is pretty like open the kimono here. I did not have a great relationship with my son before he died. Mm -hmm. We struggled. Yeah. He argued with me every day of his life. I mean, this, this kid was the, the difficult kid for me. Mm -hmm. And I want parents to know that they can change the way they parent. They can change the way they interact with their child. And you can have a relationship that is much better. And, and I just want to say that in sharing my son's story, I am actually closer to him now. I feel him with me when I share this story. And I feel that he wants other people to know that there's another way, that he was short-sighted in his choices and he wishes he had made another choice. Mm. There's this element of choice. I think that's really key. And until we see our choices, we don't have them. So people can get trapped, but I think the conversations we can have, the relationships that we can establish, all of those things can contribute to expanding the palette of choice for our loved ones, especially our children. This was your son, Lark, and you mentioned that you had the same experience with your father, how you get sandwiched between two generations where suicide is a real thing. I actually was thinking about that just a couple of days ago, and I thought about the family links, and I'm in the middle holding my dad's hand, who struggled with mental illness his whole life. He went undiagnosed until he was in his 50s. He had bipolarity. And then my son, on the other hand, I'm holding his hand, who, who struggled in his own way, and we didn't really know that he was struggling, which is my great regret as a parent. And here I am connecting these two loved ones yeah. and sharing their story and saying, let's make something positive from something that was really hard and difficult. So Lark, let's make something positive yes. from something that's been very difficult and painful and also extremely educational and enlightening to you. As we come back from, from our break, we'll just take a, a brief break on the podcast. I would like to delve into that a little bit 
because I know that there are parents, there are loved ones, there are people out there whose whose own loved ones are hurting or struggling or at risk. And I don't want to go down the path of, you know, guilt and shame. (laughs) Heavens knows there's plenty of that in the world to be found. And, And probably it's a natural experience to have some of that when you lose someone in this context, when someone dies by suicide. Um, So you're never wrong about how you feel, but I also think that there are some very constructive things you've learned from this experience that you could enlighten us about. I would be happy to, yes. (laughs) Yes. Awesome. So much appreciated. Folks, this is Lark Bean Galley at Live On Purpose Radio, and we will be right back. Are you ready to take your positivity to a whole new level? I've been enjoying these conversations with my guests at Live On Purpose Radio. My own story about becoming more positive is something that I've shared in my book, Pathological Positivity. And right now I'm giving the book away. You just pay for the shipping. Go to drpauljenkins.com, spelled with a D-R, and click on the big orange button right there that will get you a free copy of my book. You pay the shipping, I'll pay for the book. Sound like a good deal? Power up your positivity and get ready to see phenomenal changes in your happiness, your relationships, your business, every aspect of life. Enjoy this free gift from me. DrPaulJenkins.com And we're back. Lark Dean Galley, the author, the speaker, the creator of Learning to Breathe Again, which you had to do. I had to do, yes. It was heavy and hard and very dark. And that darkness, I mentioned before the break that it's really common when someone dies and the cause of that death is suicide, where they end their own life, it triggers issues that we don't get with other causes of death. And some of those have to do with our own guilt or shame, or I wish I would have, could have, should have. I would almost say that that's a predictable experience that you get to have if someone that you love ends their own life. Exactly. That's exactly it. Yes. I felt that, you know, I thought, why couldn't I have had a better relationship with him? Why couldn't I have talked with him? Why didn't things end up differently? And we say it as if we should have, but there's a good answer to it. Think about it. It's a question. (laughs) Why didn't I? because I was busy doing what I thought was the right thing at the time. Yes. Right? Right. And as parents, you know, we have this desire to, to push our kids and help them to, to excel and do their very best. And yet on the other side, you know, how, how, what if we end up pushing too much and, and they go over the edge? That's difficult as a parent. I remember there was a time, Lark, over a period of about 18 months, I lost nine people who were close to me to suicide. 
Now, I'm a clinical psychologist, and maybe I hang out with more people who actually die by suicide than, than other populations. But setting that aside, these are people that I cared about. I went through some of the same thing. What could I have done? Should I have done this? Could I have done that? Here's what I've concluded about suicide as a cause of death. It's like an iceberg. And the mass of that iceberg is underwater. It's invisible. You don't see it. When the Titanic sunk, it wasn't the iceberg they saw that sunk them. It was the part way down under the water that sunk them. And it's too simplistic to think, oh, that person ended their own life because of this thing that I can see. You know, I had an argument with him last week. Well, is that part of the iceberg? Maybe. Is that the part that sunk them? Probably not. There are so many factors we never see. Right. You're right. There are so many factors. Um, and, and one of the things that we usually have to deal with is the guilt. Right. And I had to study that guilt because if we use that word wrong, if you look at the definition, guilt means the intent to harm. Mm. And so I had to remove that word guilt from my vocabulary. I had, even though I struggled with my son, I had no intentions to harm him. In fact, uh, my daughter pointed out after my son's death, she said, mom, you were always trying to improve your relationship with Christian. And I thought about that. I'm like, just a couple weeks before he died, I finished a parenting book. And the the few months before Christmas time, I was actually getting one-on-one coaching to cope with family, difficult family members through the holidays. And, And that helped me know that in my own way, I had never stopped trying to parent this child. I believe this is true, especially of parents who love their children. And yeah, they drive us crazy sometimes. (laughs) But you do the best that you know how to do with the information that you have, with the experience you have with your own training and education. You do the best that you know how to do. Now, it's easy in retrospect to go back and say, well, I would have, could have, should have. And yet that is where I find myself going into the dark hole. Right. Be- right. When, when I say, if it could have been different, or if only he didn't choose to do this, and whenever I start to think those thoughts, I have to immediately catch myself and stop it, because those are the thoughts that lead to the dark hole, and I have to just sort of joke with myself and say, no, no, that's crazy talk, because in the universe we live in, you cannot change what happened. We, we don't want it to be this way, but the reality is this is what it is. Yes. And all I can do is move forward. I can't go back. I cannot change it. Now, do I sometimes want to wallow? And is it easier to think those thoughts and to cycle down? You bet. But if I want to stay in a positive place, yes. which allows me to help other people, I have got to control my thoughts. That's all I can do. And, and it's huge and it is not easy. But I have to do it to move forward. Talk about that for a minute, Lark. The, the thoughts, because that's a really important key part of this, isn't it? 
Oh, yes, that is huge. And like I said, it is not easy. And so whenever I start to think of the, the, the crazy thoughts, honestly, you know, what if he didn't do it? Okay, well, that's crazy because he did. I cannot change it. But what I can say is, okay, I regret not trying to improve the relationship earlier on. I regret the way things were between us. I get rid of the, the, the guilt part and just say, look at, okay, what do I regret? Knowing what I regret, how will that change the way I parent or interact with other people? And it's been difficult, but I have had to change the way I interact with my other children. Um, less judgmental, more of a guiding type role versus a condemning role. And that's also hard, you know? It changes your perspective. Oh, yes. I love where you're going with this, Lark, because we can't, at least I've been largely unsuccessful, going back and changing the past. <laughs> um, I just haven't had a lot of experience or success with that. So, but learning what we can learn from the past and every painful experience brings with it a powerful lesson if we're open and humble enough to learn it and to accept it. And I'm hearing as we're having this conversation, one of those lessons is enough with the guilt already. Mm -hmm. um, acknowledge that you're doing the best that you know how to do. And I like the way Maya Angelou put this. She said, do the best you know how to do when you know better, do better. That's right. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Because that's really all you can do. Our life is simply a journey and we're learning. And once we learn something, how to do something better, and let's, let's do it better. Let's do it differently. Lark, I'm not one to naively assume that if we did a perfect job as parents, that none of our children would ever die in this manner. That's not true. No. Because great parents like yourself will lose their children occasionally to suicide. Having said that, I believe that there are things we can do. And we opened up with this idea that talking about death won't kill you. Talking about suicide might save somebody. And so as we get away from our fears around this topic, as a, as a mother who has lost a child to this cause, what would you encourage us to do as parents? As parents, first of all, I would say, and, and just as a decent human being, let's get rid of the judgment and the condemnation. Beautiful. And I will tell you, like I said, I've tried to implement this. And when a daughter walks in the room and maybe she's not wearing something that so I standards. would want her to wear out in public, right? I actually bite my tongue and I don't say anything because that would be condemning. Mm. Um, I might use some guidance in, in the way I talk or if, if she wants to interact with me about some things that she's making choices on, yeah. but I'm not going to lay down the law and say, you're in my house, so you will do this. Because 19 months ago, that's how we parented at our house. Mm. And my husband's in the military. <laughs> we ran a tight ship 
Yeah. You know, those kids knew what to do and where to do it and how to do it. And uh, I think that that's hard for kids. They need a little bit more autonomy and they need to know that you've got your back, their back. Um, so for example, let's say that your child comes to you and tells you, mom, I'm gay. Or dad, I got the girl down the street pregnant. Or I am pregnant, right? We might have the desire to say, you know, you're out of here or now look what you've done and, and condemn them and lay down the law. Because what happens is we as parents say, that's a reflection on me. And I can't have that because what will the neighbor down the street think? Or what will my mom think? Right. And we need to get over that where we're making decisions as parents based on what other people will think and do all that we can to preserve this relationship. And when our kids are struggling and they need help, instead of condemning, act as their guide. Okay, um, so you got the neighbor girl pregnant. Tell me what you think Tell you need more. to do about that. <laughs> How did this happen? <laughs> you know, um, and it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. I love what you just shared with us. We have natural reactions as parents. We come by them honestly. We've been trained, taught, and educated by our culture and our own upbringing and whatever. And we think our job is to make sure that they whatever. And you're bringing us back to a beautiful concept. And that is that our job as parents is to love them no matter what. And they'll bring us these tests, you know. Mom, I'm gay. Dad, I got her pregnant. I am pregnant. <laughs> but whatever it is, I mean, they throw this stuff at us and we're unruffled. We're simply like, okay, my job is to love them no matter what and even if. And reminding ourselves of that, like you said, abandon the judgment, the condemnation. This is a time to open up the conversation. And can I add one last piece to that before sure. we work for the day? Talking about death won't kill you. You may, after listening to this podcast, you may have some fears or some sense that, oh, what if my child is thinking about suicide? Ask them. Exactly. And you need to specifically say, are you thinking of killing yourself or are you thinking of suicide? Not, are you thinking of hurting yourself? Because I can promise you this, People that um, are suffering from suicidal ideation, they just want to end the pain. Right. They hurt so bad. And so if you say to them, are you thinking of hurting yourself? They're already hurting. They are not thinking this is going to cause pain. This is actually going to alleviate the pain. They think it will make it better. Yes. And so you have to be very, very open. Um, just last week, I had a friend who who, you know, she sees what I post on Facebook and she called me and she's just so concerned. She said, my 14 year old son has been acting a little strange lately. So I went and read his journal, you know, not something she would normally do, but she felt impressed to do that. Yeah. He had written out that he had a plan to kill himself on Halloween. Wow. And you can imagine as any parent finding that out, that, that is very scary. Sure. Um, what if she hadn't, followed through with that and and he did 
yeah. die by suicide, you know? So she was able to have, uh, and he's kind of struggled on and off for the last several years. And she was able to have a very open conversation with him. You know, um, I understand that you're feeling, have certain difficulties. You're feeling like you want to kill yourself. Let's talk about this. If they have a plan, that is huge. That that's, they are ready. That's they will. That's a big flag. Yes. If they're thinking about it, okay, that's still a flag. Let's find some help. Let's, let's find something that's going to get you out of this mental anguish. There, there are solutions. There are answers. It might take us a while, but we will find it. And I will be with you until we find it a way for you to feel better. Um, yes. So, so she got back to me a few days later. She said, we've talked with him. We're, we're putting these steps in place. Um, we're actively getting him help. We're going to see about some medication, etc. Because we are so concerned. Oh, I have to medicate myself or medicate my child. What's the alternative? You know, that they are suffering in such a bad way that they want to end their life? The conversation, I can tell you this from clinical experience and the research that's been done, the conversation that you can have with a loved one, we're talking about children, but it could be any loved one, really. Opening up that conversation is one of the most preventative steps that we can take. And helping them to feel loved and supported no matter what and even if. No judgment, no condemnation, just conversation and loving exactly. support. I mean, and, and yes, it can be hard to have those conversations, but I promise it you. It will be. I promise you, you, the last thing you want is a regret. Not guilt, but a regret. And I have decided that I don't want to live my life with regrets. What if I had said something? Yes. What if I had sent a text to someone and told them that I loved them and I was thinking about them? What if I had taken that call and maybe stayed on the call a little bit longer than I actually had time for? Yes. Beautiful. I love the message, Lark. I'm happy to help you share it. The book is called Learning to Breathe Again. Choosing to Heal After Losing a Loved One to Suicide. If this is one that you want or you know someone who could really benefit from, Lark, how do they get a hold of this book? So they can find um, some, the sign-up link on my website right now at larkdeangalley.com. So okay. that's where they can get additional updates on it. Once it's published on November 10th, you can find it on Amazon. Lark Dean Galley, just the way you would guess that it's spelled L-A-R-K-D-E-A-N-G-A-L-L-E-Y dot com. That's the website. And anywhere else you buy life-changing books, Amazon. Uh, let's get people connected to that. Lark, thank you so much for joining me here today at Live On Purpose Radio. Thank you. You guys, you've heard it. You know what to do with it. It's time to live on purpose.